Blakes, it's Dom Knight here. Welcome to another Double Disillusionists. Andrew P Street, how are you? Uh, I, I feel like my triggers have been warned. I'm melting. You, you, I'm melting. <laughs> no, you can't be melting because global warming's a myth. Oh, it's a absolutely myth. a myth. Now, uh, last time we were around this table, we had um, a special episode. It was called The Right Side, as it was mm. us with Mark Humphreys um, essentially channeling a, sh- a, pr- a show called Outsiders. Uh, now, forever changed. And uh, I'm very pleased to say that our guest today, Maddie Palmer, writer and broadcaster extraordinaire, um, has in fact watched Mark Latham's Genuinely outside Facebook do-it-yourself weird program. One of the many reasons why I'm very excited she's here to join us. Hello, Maddie. Hello, hello. Why? <laughs> Let's for, just for get my, straight for to my this. sins. No, uh, really. What what no, sins I, are they? How do I avoid? <laughs> did Did you like kill multiple people? Did you beat a cabbie? Did you break a cabbie's arm? Not yet, but the night's young. And I'm a Gen Y hipster. It would be in an Uber driver's arm. That's true, <laughs> That's true actually. Uh, actually, and if you break an Uber driver's arm, it breaks a taxi driver's heart. <laughs> That's true indeed. And Uber will just make them keep on driving. And, and your writing will be terrible yeah, if you break that's, arms. That's, that's I think that's a one-star They'll offense. still pick you up, of course. I have to say, my rating is amazing. And it's because I had a broken leg for four months and everyone gives you a five-star rating. Oh, that's a good oh. tip. So if you want to get a good rating, just get a plaster that clips yeah. on. Yeah, just, just suffer an intensely painful and expensive injury that... Um, <laughs> Makes it difficult for you to walk upstairs, get an, in and out of a bathtub, you know, and have clean feet. And also, for the hobble, best part of a year, hobble around on a uh, on, on sort of a, a thing that that's kind of somewhere between like a ride-on toy for an infant oh. and a uh, chair. I did have a very exciting <laughs> scooter. Mm. What if the injury is uh, to your career and it's self-inflicted? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Before we get into Mark Latham's latest adventures, and I do want to spend give them the, the credit that they deserve, I also want to plug our next live event at Giant Dwarf. It is a very exciting one because we have someone who's actually done it. He's actually got in the arena um, and, and been premier of this fine state. state. I know it seemed like everyone got a chance at that, <laughs> but Christina Keneally is going to join us uh, of Sky News, of course, now, and uh, The Guardian. What an unusual agglomeration of outlets that is there are not many people who can say that they've got both of both of those under their their wing left and right brain um so she's going to be there on tuesday the 2nd of may you can book uh as of the time of this going live at uh, giantdwarf.com.au other guests on the way too still confirming them but frankly do we need anyone else we've got a former premier of new south wales andrew the this is easily the premierest guest we've ever had we should charge more i'm but pretty we excited about it i because Aside from anything else, she is charming and hilarious. She's so very funny. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of good stories, particularly the bit where we stop recording. Yeah, she's done comedy events on on our stage before. She's terrific. And the great thing is um, she knows where the bodies are buried and she she's happy to spill dirt. So, mm. Christina Keneally, um, no holds barred at Giant Dwarf on the 2nd of May. Now, back to this show, uh, which is, I guess, the other side of the coin again, a man she hasn't been terribly happy with of late. And, in fact, that conflict was part of him getting getting the axe from outsiders. You're now outside outsiders. Mark Latham's outsiders is his Facebook channel. Frankly, there's, there needs, somebody needs to register that brand. Outside, now upside I, I think it's like being off-off Broadway. <laughs> yes. We're getting increasingly more niche to the point it's going to be him doing interpretive dance with it should be. someone reading Breck. <laughs> <laughs> it should be out outsiders, shouldn't it? Because Mark Latham's outside. He's going to get sued by Sky. Definitely going to happen. 
Yeah. Although I will say, by the way, that just mentioning Brecht makes you one of those elite. I know. It's pretty faggy of in me. In my head, I made you a latte and poured you a Chardonnay in the same glass. <laughs> There's something I need to just, I feel the need to put out there. This idea of the lefty latte sipper. How freaking basic do they think we are? It's not the 90s. Single origin, cold pressed. Or right, come on, you got to get, get a magic. Go and order a magic or a cortado <laughs> or a piccolo. If you're going to make fun of wanky coffee orders, come up with one that's actually relevant, guys. Come on. Also, Snowflakes. Also, to be perfectly honest, like a latte is a hot beverage. You should sip it. Like you, You're not going to go gulping. <laughs> One of, one of those things. Actually, I'd just point out, latte just means milk. So if they're saying latte sipping, they're just implying hot milk without even coffee in it. That doesn't happen. Well, Get I, your Italian yeah. terms correct. <laughs> News. If Tony Abbott can bite into a raw onion, I can expect, they probably do expect us just to, <laughs> just to throw back a hot, hot beverage. And you he, know? he can. No twice. trigger warnings. Just slam it down for mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's get an onion latte. That's like a working man's solo. Yes. So look, when... Um, I don't want to be unkind about the, the, the ratings of Sky News because people do watch it um, within the Australian's it. editorial stuff. Yeah, look, I was watching it today while I was waiting for a plane. It's out there. Is 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 very well? The plane was out there. It's it's, it was <laughs> it's played in the Parliament House. They don't let gym. them inside. They don't let them inside. It no. doesn't work. Except the wheels are all mucky. Um, but you can see Sky News in the Parliament House gym, I think, on alternate days, alternate fact days. Um, <laughs> but when you get sacked from Sky News, what you do is you find um, a far more low-budget, lo-fi broadcasting solution, one that I'm amazed we haven't adopted yet for this podcast, uh, Facebook Live, where you talk at your phone with terrible sound and people get on board to a certain degree. This is what he's doing now, and Maddie has watched Latham in action. I have for his uh, first episode, which he... Ad- Adorably called a live cast. Oh. Um, that, that, that was what was on the cabbie's arm. Just yeah. to be clear. <laughs> that, that's, was, that's also the way that he's pitching his off-off Broadway show. That's like, pretty much it. Featuring a live cast. But it was very much, a lot of his language is very much the internet. They have it on computers these days. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. How adorable. Um, was, was, he, was he like totes cyber? Totes cyber. Yeah, he was, was he on the superhighway? He <laughs> Did the phrase 2.0 get affixed No, he, he was kind of like, look, Facebook, it's free, everyone can see it. I'm like, it's not free, honey, there's going to be an ad in it. You just because you don't get to find out what yeah, is or control it's, it. It's free in terms of your budget, buddy. Um, but look, well, he, he mentioned it several times, like, no advertising, pure us, freedom of speech. Give us like, money. Well, he's going to get ads on Facebook, and Facebook's actually quite a censorious platform. He's going to be the first person ever fired from Facebook. I know this is true. So look, um, okay, it's it's Mark Latham's outsiders on his Facebook page. I've signed up to it because mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? Make him think he's nailing it. And See, um, I, I did too, but and and this is gonna make me sound very, very petty, but I so enjoyed watching him get angry while on mute. It was so nice just to just to have Latham sort of gesticulating at me and just sitting there, dead silence. A picture good. of Latham gesticulating speaks a thousand swear words. <laughs> so, Maddie, for his first episode, it's 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 off, off, off Broadway. It's out, out, outsiders. Presumably, he got some salts of the earth on people with who he never heard from before, real Australians real from yeah. the western suburbs. He just went to the None backyards of, of Campbelltown and he just scooped up a few triers. Who did he have? He scooped up. Uh, Miranda Devine Outs. and Bettina Ant. Well-known triers. Exactly. Not these media elite people, no. just people that have um, large media 
What profiles, a relief because Miranda Devine isn't heard enough between the radio show, the TV appearances, and the, and the column and the blog. No, I really found her um, ability to talk about her column for 20 minutes. Really she's gave real me enigma, an insight. Yeah. I mean, this is the she, she's kind of like the sphinx of Australian media. I it's know. Like, what what, does, what she, does she think? And if I you know. don't solve what's, the what's riddle, she'll kill you. Yeah. Um, uh, so she spoke to great length about a recent column she wrote, whereby a woman was apparently told to leave a children's play group because she was white. Was that person called Baranda Sabine? <laughs> Maybe. Well, Lathos has been loving this lately, the reverse racism. And yes. Like talk, on Twitter. Anti-white racism. Said, mm-hmm. When are the white people going to stand up for themselves? Like every day, Mark, like constant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that is most pathetic about it is that he's he's jumped aboard a movement five years after everyone else. Oh, yeah. He's talking SJWs. He says his literal first words were, trigger warning, trigger warning, leftist snowflakes. He had a giant cutout of Donald Trump to piss off leftist snowflakes. Wow. Um, and I, surely, I, I feel triggered. But surely if you feel like your beliefs are so controversial, wouldn't you trust the sight of you to piss people off? Yeah, I think you don't need if you, if you're Lathos, you don't really need a Trump cutout. What but a strange did, did progression! The, Trump, the, the the cutout sort of slowly distanced himself from Lathos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slowly receded backwards yeah, until it's like, yeah, oh. even I don't want to be associated I've, with I've this. I've got a thing. Yeah, but that's and you know if you follow his Twitter feed, oh, he's changed his name to Real Mark Latham. He ends tweets with "sad." He says fake news constantly. He's oh. just absolutely aping. Oh, Trump. he was going Mark Stefano, friend of the show of, of yes. Buzzfeed the other day, and calling him fake news and and so on and so forth. And this is wow. because of a tribute movement that someone set up. Um, another group, Outsiders.org.au, who used a photo of Latham. Obviously, uh, Mark assumed that it was a Latham endorsed project. Not so. They're out. They're the off, 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 off Broadway. It's bizarre. And the, the thing that's so strange about this is that at the same time they're professing to be so outside and original and Australian and from the suburbs, but the, it, it's like a bad Trump tribute band, isn't it? Well, if they're continually saying sad and fake news and sad, then even he doesn't do that anymore because it's become such a cliche. Yeah, that's exactly. the thing. And also, I mean, say what you will about Trump, but he's an original. Absolutely. They, they, um, they, I'd say they broke the mold, but I think he mutated into that. Yeah. that he's in now. I don't think there was a mold. No, no. Well, I, I mean, not not in that sense. And there was a cracked egg. <laughs> I mean, there was there was mold involved. <laughs> and look, admittedly, uh, Latham certainly has the unpredictability and the random aggression. I mean, that's certainly yeah, the vindictiveness is absolutely Trump. So he is perfect for social media. I yeah, mean, but but Latham is a former hack who ran the Labor Party. He can't pull. He's not a. a Billionaire egotist who likes everything in gold. He's the opposite of that. He doesn't work as Australia's Trump. No, well, not he least. He work at all. Not, yeah. not least because, you know, he's such a salt-of-the-earth guy. You know, he, he, can't, he can't pull off sort of gold-encrusted skyscrapers no. emblazoned with his name. He, used to, he can't even pull of off a Western handshake. Suburbs. He is the king of the Western suburbs. He, no, Although just, Trump can't either. People do no, that's keep... True. Getting their arms scared. injured when Latham shakes their hands. I mean, I remember the time when I think I've told this story before that when the chaser went down to meet him and we did, were trying to film a thing with him. So he went to Campbelltown um, to fight to track him down. He was at a, at a shopping centre, I think, in Campbelltown, and he saw us. And he went, "Oh no way! The, the chasers made it to the western suburbs. Did your map read down? He was hard to find. 
Yeah. Well, you know, you're a long way from home, guys. You need some help. We couldn't use any of it. He was much funnier than we were. He <laughs> owned us. And I mean, Latham has the, is the classic. Um, what side of bed the bed does he get out of? Because he has days where he, we remember that he was one of the most lucid commentators in the country. And a brilliant. He was the intellectual wing of the lab party for a while there. Now he's. An, an angry, sad man shouting at a cloud, and the, the cloud bomber. sacked him. He was the suicide bomber of the Labor Party for a while. Yeah, look, maybe he's just pushed the bed into a corner, and so that now he can There's only no, get out on the crazy side. He's like mm. Two Face from Batman, but the other face has just shut down, gone on holidays for a bit. Poor Two Face. He it tried is, so hard. It is a terribly de- depressing thought to think that he's so boring that. Being awful is the only way people will pay attention to him. And even then, he can't even come up with his own way of being awful. He just looks at somebody else who people don't like and goes, I'm going to say that, those exact I'm same gonna do things. That. Yeah. It's just weird, so, isn't are it? Are we talking about Trump or Divine at this point? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, look, it's, there's a lot of them. A, a, a basket, indeed, of, of deplorables. <laughs> um, but it is strange. I mean, uh, the, the progression from where he was to where he is now is. It's positively Brechtian, isn't it? No, it's, it is. There is something. <laughs> More elitist Brechtian <laughs> reference. I, I just keep wondering if there's something wrong. And I, I don't want to. I mean, he hates any form of mental health. That was where he got into issues with Lisa Pryor. He can't stand any sense that mental illness is a real thing. Um, who know, Maybe it's been suggested to him once too often that he get help. <laughs> but you start wondering. You start wondering how he's travelling. I mean, he, it, he's been through. Several volumes of a Greek tragedy, like when mm. not the, not just the the Theban plays, like one, two, and three. And yes, I'm going to throw in some Sophocles. Why not? Boom! Wow. Stuff is getting very like second year drama here. This is exciting. I, I feel like I'm in my element now. I can feel the latte running through my veins. <laughs> yes. I am classic inner city elite. I worked for the ABC. I live literally in postcode 2000. I can barely afford smashed avo. I fit this com- this temper wow. completely. I've got a smash. I'm being reduced to smashing my own avos. Like talk, talk some more Sophocles. So, so we're, we're, <laughs> we're, 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 we've gone through the Thebian. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it, you know, hubris, nemesis, that kind of thing. And my nemesis mm-hmm. has probably come already. Um, but look, it's a very strange position to be in. I mean, I don't know how. And his his looming portrait still sits on the wall, presumably of the of the Labor Party room. Have they put a white cloth over it with a little KKK hood on that cloth? I mean. <laughs> How do you? It's just so weird that he got to this point. He's the opposite of a beloved elder of the party. I think he just suffers from a really, you know, it's an overused term, the idea of relevance deprivation syndrome. But that seems to be his constant anger is that he's annoyed that people are paying attention to anything other than him and his set of issues. You know, mental health isn't one of, you know, he isn't one of his issues or the issues that he sees as being relevant to the working class. Something so it's bullshit. Resists, yeah. yeah, feminism isn't relevant, so that's bullshit. Um, he doesn't experience racism, so that's bullshit. Essentially what he constantly does is just assert his right to decide to decide what are the most important issues in the world and what are the most important issues for the left. But and as we've said before, hypersensitive about anything, you know, you do anything that he thinks is an attack on white people and he's, he, he becomes the snowiest snowflake in all of frozen land. <laughs> like, it's it's just this weird, really frustrating hypocrisy of uh, wanting free speech for yourself and not for anyone, you know, not being able to take it when people dish it out to you. So, aside from sort of some recaps of, of some of Miranda Devine's final work... What what else did the? How long did the show go, by the way? Nearly an hour. 
Dear I'm God. actually surprised it was that short. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and what were the what were the other highlights? Uh, I mean, you know, so we've got 20 minutes dedicated to. Uh, well, did you know young women are not feminists anymore because feminism doesn't doesn't um, relate to their life experience? Oh. I did know that because I followed Daisy Cousins on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful day. She's been having a fun week. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look, when I want to know where feminism is, I turn to to Lathos and his friends. Mm, of course, I do. Yeah. Um, he is kind of like the the, the, the spokes feminist. I, I, I well, but find. Bettina Arndt's had an interesting journey too, actually, hasn't she? I mean, she's she is definitely in that in that uh, in the basket these days. But she wasn't always, was she? Uh, no, she's definitely was someone. I think again, um, seemed to rail very strongly against uh, a movement going on without her. She was mm. sort of quite strongly associated with what we'd call second wave feminism. And as the movement progressed, she found herself more and more distanced for it. Now, now that's not, I guess, inherently a radical position. There are plenty of people and many intellectual, well-studied people who believe, who do genuinely believe that feminism has lost its way or has um, decreasingly concerned itself with, with well, the of most course, important uh, women, issues. Women have a big problem reading maps, so that's really not a... That's true. No, not see, surprising. See, this is the thing. Since we did right-siders, it's so easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> you just slip into I it. can't believe we haven't been approached for that yet. No. It's going to happen. Um, so having Sky abandoned... News, you have got a hole in your, <laughs> in your scheduling. It's more white guys. Having aban- Yeah, we, we were very cognizant of that fact. Having abandoned third wave feminism, Mark she's, Humphreys is damn near transparent. She's practically an albino. <laughs> um, she's decided to embrace third wave white supremacism. Is that essentially where <laughs> we are? Kind of. Because that's what I mean. That's, that's what Latham's come to. Very much. What about the men? You know, male suicide is an issue. Won't someone speak up for the men? I know, but yeah, it's it's just so, that sense of like wait, 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 when wait, you're wait, talking. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So, so the argument is that male suicide is an issue. Yes, it is. Which, which it absolutely is, but also. Mental health is not an issue. Oh, Apparently so. Right. Okay. Well, not not like the the gay feminist kind of mental health where mm. you're sort of depressed or you know postnatal mm. or sort of anxiety, which is a rich person's mental oh, illness. Yes. I'm guessing. Snowflake. As opposed to yeah, as opposed to suiciding farmers. Which oh, is look, serious. We did point out that Latham was. Um, so you said, Maddie, he was suffering from relevance deprivation syndrome. I think we've given him enough relevance. I'm going to propose that we move on gingerly <laughs> to an actual issue. I can't uh, believe you're censoring me like this, Dom. This is this is SJW. this is reverse reverse racism. Yeah. Wow, I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's this is go like to a double pike split half turn ten meter dive of racism. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to what actual politicians who actually in some way influence what happens in this country, are talking about this week. Scott Morrison's had an interesting one. Um, he got sacked by Ray Hadley from this spot. Oh, it's so hard Isn't it when, sad you see, when mates fight. When you see BFFs fall out so publicly. Hug it's it just, out, boys. Just hug it out. Oh, man. It's, 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 like, it's, it's like when Rory Gilmore had that really, really bad fight with Lorelai and they were just oh. like... They, they, I think it was season... But you knew they still loved each six. other. I mean, you know, they're mother and daughter, but they're also best friends. Yeah, and... And that's how I feel about Scott Morrison and Ray Hadley, that they're, they're the Gilmore girls of Australian angry radio. Well, they are probably bulimic and, shoot, you know, throwing up bile everywhere, which that's I always true. found a, deeply suspicious about Gilmore there's girls. There's an awful lot of bile, that's certainly true. They also talk very quickly. They do. <laughs> 
All that coffee mm. in Stars Hollow, mm. the whitest S- place alive. So, so ScoMo. <laughs> the Shire of television. Oh, man. There you go. That's the link, Scott Morrison. Um, but he, he's talking housing affordability. The budget's coming up and all of the trial balloons floated before this week have been shot down pretty rapidly. The, the notion that... Uh, like so many North Korean yeah. missiles. Uh, <laughs> tapping, into, tapping into our super accounts. Uh, in order to fund first home buyers, uh, that anyone with a, even half an economics degree or who was Paul Keating has pointed out that that's ridiculous because it will make prices skyrocket overnight. Even my lack of economic nous uh, is enough to, to let me know that that will happen. So they're now looking at what is it that they're doing, Andrew? They're, they're nibbling slightly around the obvious solution involving negative gearing, are they? Or well, he said it was uh, he said it was cruel. If we change negative gearing rules, but sometimes you've got to be cruel to be kind lifters and leaners. In the right measure, as uh, as I believe Nick Lowe so rightly said, cruel to be kind, it's a very good sign. Um, I, I've been very excited by Scott Morrison's sudden zeal for, uh, for justice for renters, which is absolutely, I, I can tell, given that this is Scott Morrison speaking, that this is coming from a very real place for him, a very a place of empathy a place of understanding of, uh, of people doing it tough. Are you saying um, they actually had folks scripts for it rather than just trusting... A place of census data of who, where his electorate is. Well, I think it's more to do with the, if, you, if you keep saying that you're about renters, then you, uh, then you can justify saying, well, we can't get rid of negative gearing because mm. if we start turning, having empty houses lying there just accumulating in value as, a, as an option then rents will be forced to go up because people will need their their investment properties to make money for them. So we can't touch anything that will actually cause prices to drop because of the renters, the poor renters, the renters. Who would like to buy but can't. Who would like to buy but can't. So what we've got to do is ensure that they also still can't. Keep them trapped in the prison of um, high rents and... Much higher house, house prices mm. still. And if my landlord is listening, I love where I am, and I definitely <laughs> think we're being, we're paying the right amount of money. <laughs> so, and he's please, also got a leaky don't. tap. If you want to come round at some Actually, point the, in the next the six months, the oven's a bit. Well, one of the burners is gone, and the the actual oven bit doesn't really work at all. I haven't I haven't been game to mention this to my landlord, you know, in case they put the rent up. So you know, you probably. But if is. they are listening. That's natural gas. You need a coal-fired. I oven. do. Oh, put some lumps of coal in there. It's fine. Well, I think that's where Barnaby is 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 coming from at the moment. We'll, we'll get on. To we'll get on literally, to he's at your seat. place poking bits <laughs> of coal in the oven. He is. That's why his face is so red. He's up close Just to the flame. Energy security. Um, so, <laughs> but yes, look, this, this, this is, is this we're, we're, is we're moving into budget land here. We've never done a budget before, Andrew. No. This is so this is exciting. Kind of exciting isn't yeah, it? Well, maybe we'll do a budget night. We've we got a budget night podcast. I don't know. Where is budget night? I don't, I have first a Tuesday in May, boys. No. Oh, my no, second goodness. Tuesday in May. Oh, oh whoops, we don't. We've got, a, we've got a week before budget show. We've got a week show. before. Yes. We, oh, we, well. can, we, can, we can come up with, uh, with a wish list. Oh, the excitement. To be okay. fair, I think presenting a show at the same time as the budget might can you imagine decrease your politically engaged audience a that's little. That's true. We've, we've got the nerds on board now, and I think we can't, we can't threaten that. Okay, so this is... So, Accidentally good choice. Well done. Thank you, Maddie. Um, so, but, but what does the government do? I mean, they, they can't alienate their base, but Labor is increasingly owning solving housing affordability. Mm. The government is, as with so many things, wanting to look like they're doing something about it, but not actually reassuring the base at the same time. They're not. 
Well, I mean, we've talked about this. Say hello to same-sex marriage. Say hello to any other issue. <laughs> uh, energy. Energy is yeah, another yeah, great yeah. one. I think with both energy and housing affordability, the problem that they've got is that they have taken ownership of an issue which they, even if they wanted to, they couldn't really control. In the, in the case of housing affordability, it is largely, I mean, as, as they correctly point out it's largely a state and local government issue more more really than a federal government issue if you decide that you're not going to touch the obvious ways that you can affect housing affordability like negative gearing and capital gains which they have done well day in the same one way with, with with energy policy it's all in the hands of the private sector if you rule out doing things mm. like an emissions trading scheme of any sort which they have done so what you're saying is they can't do anything if they've said that they're not going to do things yes that interesting is, it's a it and, and i think it's a bold policy to take yeah. in saying you know these are issues that we're going to own now before we get too deep in them we're not all of the solutions are off the table <laughs> And now we're very keen to hear some ideas. Just trust the market, which has been proven not to deliver. Yeah. Um, but, the, I mean, looking back to the campaign, if we somehow force ourselves to relieve the very first day of the campaign, Malcolm Turnbull had that hilariously ill-judged um, press conference in the back uh, <laughs> in the backyard of the people who, who were very upset that they might lose their investment property that they bought for their child who was, what, six or something? Six, one. six months old. One. Oh, yeah. Six, six months, months old. old. Yeah. Oh, God. She was not, not yet one, so you, but you, already you, had an investment property. Your classic Aussie doing it tough, really, battler. Couldn't even speak. That was how much of a battler that baby was. Well, look, um, look James, my, my, my almost four-month-old son, I mean, he is a genuine battler, uh, whether he's battling... The sort of the IKEA A-frame thing with a mm. ring on it and a sort of dangly blue thing that he bats away at. Or battling your desire to sleep. Battling my yeah. desire to, to to do anything. Battling to all. find reliable tenants in this day and age of overcrowding. Well, Poor old James, true. he is struggling to find uh, reliable tenants for his investment property. Oh, that's terrible. That exists in his parents' <laughs> fondest fantasies. Oh. Let's be honest, he's a classic Don't leaner. Run. Every time I've seen him, he's literally leaning on your chest. That's, yeah. that's very true. Leaning he, back he, in the crib. He refuses to stand on his own two feet. And why? Because they can't yet bear his weight. <laughs> <Yeah>. Typical. Uh, <laughs> in a West snowflake, he probably drinks latte from his mother's teeth. Anyway, um, I'll let Dee know. So the, sorry, Dee. So the, the bottom line is... Um, the government is going to do nothing for their budget. Are they going to stick with the policy that's seen them between six and ten points behind in the poll? They're essentially going to uh, have sort of neoliberal rhetoric and not do anything. Is that what we're tipping for the budget? I, I, I am. Yeah, that seems to be the way to go. Although, I, but why not stick I say, with what's, I, I what's not working for you? I cannot hmm. understand why they've chosen these two issues in particular as kind of their totemic, the you know... The hill to die on. Yeah. Well, they're kind of... Pointing in the right direction in the sense that they actually have managed to step on issues which are genuinely very important. That's true. They're talking about things that, that genuinely do matter to people, just don't have any solutions. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's got to be a step in, the, step in the yeah, yeah, exactly. They're halfway it's better there. Better than talking about 18C. It's yeah. a step in a direction. Mm. That is very which, true. Which and let's let's not be, you know, let's let's not be negative. A step in any direction at all. It's an exciting development mm. for the Turnbull government. <laughs> that's actually true. And, and picking the right issues to have nothing to say that's meaningful about is, is, is actually very positive. So big <laughs> clap to them. But I think if we're looking at the budget, hoping to see 
they're not going to have the guts to, to put in any real pain the way that Abbott did in his first budget mm. of the new government. They're way too precarious for that. And it won't get through the Senate anyway. So we'll just have the status quo until someone puts the government out of its misery. I and mean, that seems to be where we are on a fairly permanent basis, isn't it? Well, this leads me on to my other issue. I've increasingly been thinking in the past week since the, you know, launch of World War Three, effectively, where Trump seems to have decided that the best way to dissuade people from thinking that Putin put him in office is to wage war against him. Uh, politically, probably the most smart thing that Turnbull could do is get on this coalition and go in with Trump into Syria. Uh, because I think people would be so, so relieved to see any act of decisiveness oh, yeah. there. And Wartime leader. Absolutely. People don't think mm. that they're weak, even if they think that they're assholes or is, you know, misguided or something. I don't think people tend to think He could borrow some of Tony Abbott's flags. To stand he could of. indeed. And, 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 and when you've got sort of somebody like Christopher Pine able to just stand there at the, at the helm of a submarine, <laughs> gazing, you know, with... Steely resolve into. He know, loves those subs. He'd stay South on. Australian he'd waters. stay on that helm even when it dove. Helm, Piney would if he could. He can. He has gills. That's a, that's Straight. a fact about <laughs> fact about Christopher Pine. Very few people know. He can breathe underwater. So all right. So that's one possibility that he gets on board. Is it possible that the Syria thing, which the more I read about it, the more he seems to have basically bombed a couple of patches of dirt that no one minded and they knew that was coming. Mm. Is it possible that this, or am I over-conspiracy theorising to suggest that maybe they cooked this up to take the heat off the whole Russia thing? I, yeah, I think that's absolutely feasible. Hey, you know, Vladimir Putin goes, Donald, just bomb over here. We'll give you the coordinates of where you can bomb. And he says, yes, sir, please don't um, release the PP video. Well, you see, this this is one of the things that sort of you know, when when the, the 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 Syrian bombing happened, and there was kind of a lot of speculation about you know well, what if this escalates? What if this turns into a you know US v Russia nuclear conflagration? And I was like, this, but Trump's not going to do anything to seriously piss Russia off because they will just release intel. Like I mean, I mean, Russia can't afford a war. Like, like I mean, Russia can barely afford anything at this point. So, the last thing that they need is to be actually fighting a battle rather than just kind of handing a few tanks over to to um, Bashar al-Assad and saying, "Yeah, they're, they're, they're make make with a bang bang." So, you know, I don't. Yeah, I, I can't see this particularly es- escalating. I guess he said somewhat hopefully, but the only way I could mm. see it sort of going to the next level would be some sort of massive information dump from the Kremlin saying, oh, here's how we, uh, here's how we gamed your election. Yeah. When's that ever happened before this week? Um, <laughs> I, but hypothetically I'm, speaking, though, should just say you're an American and your president's just wa- waged war against Russia hmm. and then Russia gets up and go, your president's not a very good guy. I mean, that's not entirely necessarily a source that you'd take particularly <laughs> seriously. That's in true. that context. The, the far right, the Infowars crowd are absolutely up in arms about this, by the way. They, Trump's losing that the, 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 the nutter crew with this But that, that's move. his base. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, he's, I guess his most... It's an unstable base. <laughs> the most... Um, it's, it's precarious. The most coherent, if that's a word I could even say, about his policy bases was that he was isolationist and that mm. he was transactional. I did enjoy the genuine difficulty 
that you had reasonable <laughs> coherence there. Like, I, I there, don't, was, there was so much pain on your face as you were like, it it seems like the right word, but, but, no, but this could can't it be, be right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he had an intensely isolationist point of view. He literally wanted to build wars. He wanted to pull pull armies out. And he also had a very transactional view. Did you he say didn't build wars or build walls? walls. It's much the same. Isn't yes. It? Um, well, he, he wasn't big on wars because he was. It, exactly. The argument was, I'm, you know, the United States shouldn't be America first. The world's police force anymore unless you're going to pay. Angela Merkel. Can, can, can we call this? It's it's the 11th of April. I want to say um, within the next week or two, we will discover conclusively the reason Trump um, attacked in Syria was that Ivanka said, but daddy, the babies, but daddy, <laughs> do something. Or he watched a particularly harrowing episode of ha- Homeland and just went, Twitter <laughs> is not enough. Fox and, Fr- Fox and Friends, you know, expressed mild... Uh, Dismay. One more thing to touch on before we we say farewell, um, and that is the Adani mine. Now, this this is the week where we've learned that two thirds, thanks to an aerial survey, two thirds of the reef has now been bleached. It's it's extraordinary that this has happened. I mean, it's how can we even come to terms with that? And yet, at the same time, not only is the government proceeding with the Adani mine, not only are they giving the well, I think this is the Queensland government's decision. Not only are they getting all the water they want. To the dismay of farmers in a drought, you know, stricken region of a, uh, a, drought, a drought-stricken region of a flood-ravaged state. Yeah, but it's going to cost a billion dollars from us to fund this thing. Well, no, the, the beauty of this now, look, Barnaby we Joyce get shares. Barnaby Joyce made this very, very clear today, and 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 I think he he spoke a lot of wisdom. It's a it's a great economic powerhouse which needs a billion-dollar loan from the government to be economic, uh, but is definitely going to provide jobs and spin-off jobs, um, but it needs a billion dollars of, of I, of I can generate work. jobs with a billion dollars in um, my snake oil mine. The, the Adani... Apparently generate a US presidency with a billion dollars. Well, the, um, uh, the, the Abbott Point... Uh, development, which uh, is part of the the whole sort of Adani uh, Carmichael mine, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, uh, that there has been enormous because of uh, the cyclones that has now plunged a huge amount of pollutant uh, yeah. dust onto the reef. This would be the cyclones this is, which are caused by climate change or exacerbated by climate change. Well, anyway. well, or to put it another way, totally not, because as Barnaby pointed out. It's in the tropics. That's where the cyclones oh, live. Oh, yeah. Well, you wouldn't so get a tropical the, cy- cyclone <laughs> down in the snowflake region, no, would you? not in the snowflake region. Yeah. So, um, and, and Barnaby was very clear that uh, the wetlands that have now been completely polluted uh, with runoff from the uh, from the train line development. It's called the runoff lands, really, now. Um, that's not a problem because no one cares about the stupid wetlands. They were just the only people who are in there are duck shoot, uh, uh, duck hunters, and so it doesn't it doesn't matter. It, Normally, it you'd expect me Barnaby to bit. take the side of the duck hunter, though. Well, it, it or is it only owners of dogs who he hunts? Oh, that's a good point. But um, and also, as he said, look, he knows that renewable energy is part is going to be part of our future, but for the time being. Our present is coal, although we're not going to be doing the coal ourselves because we're sending it to India yeah. to, to raise them out of poverty. Sure. Um, for reasons... I, I'm not entirely sure why that's our responsibility, and I'm also given that India have embraced renewables with a speed that was that makes our 
uh, heel dragging look particularly. Uh, well, when like you've got an awkward pause, when you've got coal ravaged cities with terrible air pollution, as in China and India, mm. you tend to be more into renewables than we are. Yeah, but as he said, see the point of them a bit more. The the the, the knockdown argument that he that he had, and and it was poetic in its in its beauty, was. If we're going to live with the butterflies, we will die with the butterflies. See, that's actually why I feel like climate change is something that we should be paying attention to because we currently are living with the butterflies. The butterfly the butterflies flaps are going its wings. extinct. Maybe we might be dying with them as well. Yeah, I was a little confused. As I mean, did he mean mermaids or like yetis? I mean, is, is he <laughs> under the impression that the butterflies are some mythical beast? That exists well, only yet, in the fevered dreams when of. When we finish the Adani mine, they'll go the way of the coal polyps, <laughs> won't they? I get a text from a friend, the same friend, about once every three months going, I can't remember a bunyip's reel. And I'm starting to think that that might be Barnaby Joyce just going, butterflies, which. Which one is it? They sound like bunnies. Yeah. Is it like a dwarf or I've, is it like a leprechaun? I I've can't remember which one. I've never seen a butterfly and a bunnip in the same place. That's, That's true. Oh, my God. You're right. I think we should probably leave it there. That that thought. How can you? How can we improve on that thought that if we live with the butterflies, we should die with them? I mean, mm. if it's, it is fair to say that if, if we do render this planet completely uninhabitable, we do deserve to die along with all the other species. That does seem reasonable. Mm. Well, and, and I think, I mean, you know, Fair's fair. We have been suggesting for the rest of this podcast that the government doesn't have a policy. But, I mean, you've just nailed it. We should die with the rest of the planet. <laughs> Unless one of the things Christopher Pine's building in South Australia is an ark, in which case let's oh. just start again. Maybe that's his plan. It's, it's hard to know. That's why he's so against same-sex marriage. Those animals have got to be going on two by two, and if any of them are a little bit <laughs> on yeah. the spectrum, I mean, then they're not going to produce. We're going to feel so embarrassed if we've got a couple of swishy elephants on there. <laughs> there we go. Humanity destroyed. That's a good place which to leave the podcast, I think, for this week. Oh, another one and for butterflies you. are gay. Next week. Um, thank you very much, Maddie Palmer. Goodbye, Snowflake. Goodbye, Snowflake. And Andrew P Street, um, see you next week, and indeed... 2nd of May, on stage, giantdwarf.com.au. Tickets available now with the wonderful Christina Keneally. Cannot wait for that. It is always so fun. Like, uh, like all, all sarcasm aside, these things are so much fun. God, we have fun at these things. Even if no one else does, we make sure they drink drinks so that they appear to have fun. Exactly. Even if they don't. Um, thank you very much. And just try not to melt, no thanks. Try not to melt. <laughs>